Sketches? We don't need no stinking sketches. cut but morally corrupt it's forwards backwards podcast not from the corner of glenway and monroe and not from the give me some truth studios as always i'm joined by the young frankenstein to my frankenstein's monster kyle carr the hardest working man in madison sports podcasting and i'm keith pony as your host dan fallon is on a jet plane we don't know when he'll be back again kyle Bigger loss for their respective team, Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona or Cassidy Sempianski leaving forward Madison? I'm just saying Barcelona dug itself in that hole. It, it, Barcelona made that mess themselves. It was Barcelona's own fault of why they lost Messi. Cassidy is going to do great things wherever she ends up next. It was only a matter of when, not if. She would eventually leave. We're going to miss her. She's fantastic, as everyone has seen, but also a good person. So, yeah, I feel like with Cassidy, it was just a matter of, okay, we we know what you can do. It's clear as day that you are destined for greater things. So that was just a matter of one. Barcelona and Lionel Messi, it was just you dug yourself in a hole by doing years long of bad transfers and put yourself in debt so badly that Greece in 2008 was shocked that it was that bad. Uh, I think, you know, the, the key thing, and, and Andrew pointed this out, you know, the, the, tick, the, the sales of the kits, particularly the drip kit, um, you know, and, and uh, helped, you know, the club go through, survive the pandemic in a, in a very difficult time. Obviously, it wasn't just Cassidy's work, but the, the drip kit was such a sort of sensation. It sold so many. It did, you know, so much. Obviously, there were, you know, contributions from, social media there was you know and and jason has also departed and you know contributions from marketing generally and and the whole staff jovan and and you know and our intern yeah and, and our intern uh kuba shisho who uh, also provided a, a quote for us um in in tonight's uh episode but you know all of these people contributed but uh you know and i think you're right and we hope Cassidy ends up at, at, at the equivalent of PSG um, at some point, um, you know, where, where she's getting, she's designing the, the biggest kits at the, at the biggest level, or, or, you know, one of, one of these clubs here in the U S or homo gets her on board to help out because you're already seeing like, uh, you know, I, I remarked to you on, on Saturday when we were watching uh, the other, the blue team uh, from Merseyside play, that they were they were wearing a black 
uh, jersey with a, a, a sash on it that was reminiscent of, of Forward Madison um, and, and some of the stuff that, that Forward has been doing. So you're seeing some of these concepts catch on elsewhere. So hopefully, you know, people won't just rip them off secondhand and will actually uh, bring in uh, the newest, uh, um, you know, or the, the designer, the originator of these, these great kits. Um, you're more heavily involved in, in kit culture than I am, but, uh, you know, I think you can say that, you know, and there's a new kit out, I think, is it our fifth kit? Uh, do we have, is it our fourth kit? Do you, yeah, the, I think it technically counts as a fifth. Do you count the, the reversible kit as two kits? Oh, good call. I, actually, no, I think this is the fourth kit. I would say it's the fourth because the the reversible, it's just reversible. I wouldn't say it's two X. It's just a two for one. It's it's reversible. I don't know. I, I, I would say this is the fourth kit release. But. I'm just asking because if it is the fifth, we could make the joke uh, ahead of our friends from maybe Omaha or uh, our friends from the River City 93 podcast that maybe Forward Madison has more kits than wins this year. Um, look, if you're going to not win, at least have the drip to look good, okay? That, that's all I got to say. It's working for Arsenal. You don't. You may not get goals. You may not get wins. But you got drip. And drip does. Who needs, who needs wins when you got drip? I, I did, I think, almost end my friendship with uh, uh, Chairman Schmidt on Saturday when I asked him how it feels to support uh, two football-related fashion companies. Um, I think, you know, that that may have hit a little bit too close to home for Arsenal supporting Chairman Schmidt. Um, but, you know, uh, so th- this week on the podcast, by the way, because I received, speaking of texts received, you and I received a, a text from a certain third member of this podcast who shall rename, name, remain nameless, who said, Keith, what are your thoughts about forward going to three in the back? And realized that we had made the shift to three in the back in the back about a month ago, something like that. It was right before it was definitely, I think the, what I'm trying to think of what match it was because it ended in the UW friendly. Yep. And I don't think Tormento Tormento's not the first match because it was whichever match, whatever was the match after Jiro got hurt. Yep, that was, was the, the one that it really yep. went into yep. full full gear because Jiro gets hurt. Jiro gets hurt against Union Omaha, so that so I mean they kind of did it against Chattanooga. Yeah. Oh wait, no, no, never mind. Yeah, they kind of did it against Chattanooga, but Tormento was really the first one that was like, okay, we're going all in on the three in the back. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, what we decided since we missed last week as well, and I want to talk about why we missed last week, because I think you only got like the, the, the very top part of it, which uh, involved, I was like, Monday was a hell of a day. Uh, and then Tuesday, you're like, I got attacked by wasps. And it's kind of a, a two part. It's a two parter, we'll say. Um, and, and so I just want to explain what happened Monday. Uh, I was supposed to get a house appraisal on Tuesday, trying to get some money out of my house so that I can redo my bathroom. Important mm. old man stuff going on here. Um, so, you know, working on uh, trying to do the appraisal and I'm, I'm filling in some holes in the ceiling, you know, more or less trying to make things look relatively nice 
so that when, you know, the, the appraiser comes through, she's not like, why is there a giant hole in your ceiling, essentially, and have it negatively affect my, my value. So I'm scrambling around on Wednesday. About 7.30, 8 o'clock, I'm like, hmm, getting a little warm in here. And if you remember last week, it was a little warm, generally. And uh, I go and I, uh, I discover the air conditioner is not working. So, um, you know, fortunately, I throw up, throw open all the windows. I run the fans. I'm kind of in a wooded area. So I, I'm aware that essentially, you know, you can fake it for the 20 minutes that, that you know, they're going to be there, that, uh, that the air conditioner is not working. Um, so Tuesday afternoon, then the air conditioner guy comes by and starts looking and it turns out there was a, a mouse nest in my air conditioner. Air conditioners, you know, 25 years old. The mice had started chewing on the cables. Uh, it leads to a, a variety of factors, a short in the compressor. Guy says with an air conditioner this old, not really worth it to replace the, the compressor probably. But he says to me, Keith, uh, you know, before I make the final determination, there's some wasps on the uh, uh, concrete pad on which your uh, air conditioner rests. Do you think you could kill the wasps for me so I can dig in a little bit more? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. I run down to Ace Hardware to get a can of wasp killer. Uh, you know, come up, he's doing some other stuff inside, looking at this and that. I go out there to start killing the wasps. And as I'm spraying, you know, I, I think I'm getting it. And then all of a sudden, they start coming out. And they're not happy at that point. So I'm wearing long sleeves, fortunately, I'm wearing long pants, I've got shoes on, I'm fairly well protected. So they only sort of, you know, are stinging me through my clothes. But, you know, as I'm trying to kill them, as they're starting to flood out of, of the wasp hole, the wasp spray dies. So I'm, you know, I'm basically like, uh, you know, his older brother said about Michael Corleone, you know, I'm coming out of the bathroom with just my, in my hand, you know, I no longer have, have the, 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 the gun, as it were, in the in the Godfather. So the the wasps are like landing on me. I've got wasps on my clothing. I'm like trying to brush them off, and then I'm like, maybe that's a bad idea. So like I I end up like on my front stoop, you could say, peeling my clothes off because I'm like I don't want to bring the collection of wasps that I've assembled on my clothes into the house with me. And so eventually my Tuesday, I'm standing out in front of my house with, in my underwear, shaking out my wasp clothing, wasp cover, covered clothing. Um, so, you know, we made a kind of, I was like, you know what, Kyle, I'm going to, I'm going to need some time here. Uh, so we made an executive decision there not to do the podcast, but it led to our plan this week which is a little bit different. And it began by me asking you, Kyle, how much do you know about fish? And I answered absolutely nothing. And have you ever heard a single fish song in your life? 
I legit could not name one. Like you might be able to play like their most popular song and I may have heard it. I that's like at best. Like if you play and I might recognize it, but no, I cannot name a fish song. I don't even know what genre fish would fall under. I could not. I, I know literally nothing. I've heard the name and that's it. I don't know anything else. Now, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here, Kyle. I would say that Fish is up there among the whitest bands ever. Like, I, 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 you know, I would be shocked. I mean, it's like Seinfeld. You don't know a lot of, you know, it's not, Seinfeld didn't have great penetration into the African-American community. We'll say. Not really, but like Seinfeld, at least I could see, like, Seinfeld makes more sense, like, penetrating to African-American. Fish, I could not, like, you could honestly say fish is country, I believe. You could say fish is rock. You could say, you could tell me fish is legitimately an R&B group, and I would have been like, <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's like a new edition thing that I just never got on. Like, I don't know, maybe it's some Eminem Vanilla Ice things. I, I don't know. You could honestly tell me anything about fish, and I would believe it. Um, no, this is, you know... Um, and, and so one thing I will say is, uh, um, uh, so the premise of the the episode today is to explain basically everything that happened since we went to the 352 to someone who, uh, I don't know, may have been spending the last month without any real contact with society, with their perhaps significant other, their lady friend, uh, touring around from campsite to campsite at various fish shows throughout the month of August. Uh, one thing, Kyle, I'll let you know about fish shows, you know, uh, theoretically. Well, that's what that's they're called? Fish shows, yes. Uh, okay. You may, you may have, like, exposure to technology now, but you don't have a great deal of exposure to showers, for instance. Um, you know, you camp at them. Um, you know, there's some ter- terribly, terribly – Terribly bad dancing. Charles Barkley would be offended by the dancing, I would say. Uh, terribly bad dancing. Um, and then also uh, uh, sort of there are big picture themes that fish, non-fish people don't get into. But it's kind of fish is a world unto itself. You know, you probably very similar to the Grateful Dead, of which I'm a fan. And I will say, you know, we're going to make... I've heard of them. I've heard of them. I may have heard a song of theirs. It's still not something I listen to, but I've at least heard of them. I I can't think of any, you know, maybe like Dave Matthews is too, you know, mainstream. Like fish fans will listen to nothing but fish. Like they'll be totally disconnected from all other music. Um, and, And so... You know, if I'm, I'm like, what is, you know, fish is like its own little ecosystem, its own little bubble. So what we're trying to do today is to reach, pierce the bubble by using some fish related material, all in good fun. So if you're a fish fan and we have offended you, uh, not our goal. Uh, I once got eaten by the lights due to the perhaps substances I ingested at a fish show back in the 1990s so you know how long has fish been around like legit how long have they been around music uh i think they started in 1984 okay so this is older than me all right yeah Good to know. they have been around forever you could not name they're a four-piece band uh they're a jam band which i'm sure you've kind of heard you know various explanations of what that is 
And to quote our intern, in fact, the first point that we want to, you know, pierce the bubble to, to Dan, Fa oh, don't want to say his name, a third podcaster who has been living in this bubble. The way we want to start by piercing the bubble is from our intern, uh, Kuba Shishostanyak, who said, I just can't tell where one song ends and another starts. And, uh, you know, I, I said... Kind of the point of fish. Not so good for Forward Madison, let's say, because there were a lot of sort of repetitions in August that were perhaps frustrating. I don't know how you viewed it. I mean, it could date back, not even August. You could say this for July. You could probably say this for June. Pretty much since... The come from behind victory against Tormenta, it has been the same general game over and over and over. I have said multiple times, Ford Madison had a knack of allowing the same type of goal. I think this was in the month of June, where Ford Madison allowed the same type of goal where they would get countered and it'd be on more likely the right hand side of the defense, so the left attacker. They would get a they would either beat the fullback and turbo for pace and get it, or they would be able to put across that. No one was marking and they score a goal. And that still, and now the goals have come in a variety of ways and they're still, but they're still allowing goals in very frustrating ways. Well, so a couple of things too, that we saw, you know, uh, they basically uh, dropped points at home, two matches in a row from a leading position. Um, yeah. You know, if you, if you look at, you know, the, the, the matches right in against North Texas, we uh, were leading one, nothing Sarkowski scored. And then boom, 90th minute, North Texas scores Toronto FC. We're leading Malloy Gebhardt. We're up to one Franklin scores 86 minute boom, drop points from a lead. And I think if you keep going back in time, you're going to keep kind of seeing that pattern you know, and one of the things that also is frustrating right now is feels a little bit like last year. I would say, well, it's funny because my fun fact of all these draws out of the nine draws four of them have been from a winning position where they allowed the tying goal. Four of them have been from a trailing position where they scored the equalizing goal. And the other was a zero zero draw against Richmond at home. In three of the four draws that they equalized, they scored past the 70th minute. And in three of the games that they allowed the equalizing goal, they came after the 85th minute. Two of them in stoppage time. Granted, one of those probably should not have happened in the Fort Lauderdale match. So there's just a consistency of drawing in every possible way. Well, and yeah. I don't even know if I could say this is like last year because they didn't score enough last year. There was no offensive ability last year to even allow these late goals. Like it was one of those where it's either going to be a zero zero or they're going to lose zero one. Now it is you're going to probably score most of the time, but you're not going to hold out. It's yeah. I, I don't know how similar it is to last year. It's more the before you couldn't score and now it's you can't seem to defend when you need to. It, Do you know where we sit, however, in the goals scored table? Oh, probably second to last. We are the second to last. We're second to last in the league in conversion rate. 
So I'm assuming we're probably last or second last in goal scored. Yep. So the worst scoring team is North Carolina FC, who, you know, we don't want to talk about, beat us last time. Uh, then we are tied on 21 goals with Union Omaha. Uh, so again, we're not scoring. Uh, we seem to be creating chances. Um, you know, we may have a little bit more attacking emphasis, but eh. I think we have more attacking option. Well, it's weird. Cause like, even though they've only scored 21 goals, I feel like this team is a better attacking team last, like last year. I don't know where any goal was coming from, from anyone not named Mike Vang. Yep. Like that was the only source of goals last year. This year it's, I mean, Jake Keegan started off. Well, he's been on a rut. Gebhardt's still able to show the ability. Aaron Malloy has shown if he has it anywhere near the box and he gets a shot off, he's got it. You know, we saw Josiah Trimingham score from across. We saw, you know, Sarkowski. It seems like the variety of ways it can score, at least, is different than last year. Last year, it was like, okay, Mike Fang, do whatever you need to. Well, this year, it's it's still very much a, hopefully, Jake Keegan and Derek Gebhardt do something, but I feel or Aaron Malloy, but I feel like anyone on the field can score this year, which is helpful. So, uh, by the way, this, this brings up something. Uh, Keegan has not scored in the entire month of August. And so, you know, if you were to ask me, um, point two, I, I put in as, as, so one of the big things that fish does is they'll start playing one song. They'll, they'll jam it out and eventually start in that jam merge segue into another song. So, should we want, much like Fish, to go from their theme from the bottom, one of their songs, into Harry Hood, which has the lyrics, you could feel good about Hood in it. It's- want to go from the bottom from our 10th place where we are currently residing into a place that we can feel good about forward Madison one thing I will note is I think we got to get Keegan involved more in the game interesting point uh in the match against North Carolina FC had the fewest touches of any player on the field he has not converted at the rate that he was early on in the season um, you know, if we're looking at our low conversion rate, but, you know, um, and he may have been, a, he may be a little unlucky, you know, he hit the post, he had a really good chance on a counter against North Texas that could have put us up two nil that we really, really needed. But I think if you're like, okay, what do we need to help us move forward? One of the things I would say is get Keegan more involved and hopefully that corresponds to Keegan getting back to that goal scoring form that we saw particularly in May and June. Yeah. It's weird because Keegan's still getting every match. Keegan has gotten a good chance. He had a good chance against North Carolina, just didn't hit it with enough power. He had a good chance against North Texas. As we saw on the counterattack, didn't convert it. He had the chance against Toronto, hit the post. And I think there's another one that was just like a really good save from the keeper. Like he's been in positions to score. He's getting the chances like he would get the chance that you would think he would convert and he just hasn't so maybe it's going to be some regression back to some sort of mean we've seen him convert 
every opportunity he got, and now we're seeing that he's just not scored. So maybe it's going to be a conversion to the mean, but he does need to be more involved. You would think with having a second striker, it would allow defenses not to focus solely on Keegan. You would think with Derek Ebhardt's play, it would not. It would force them to focus on someone else, but it still seems as though the other teams have realized if you can take Keegan out, that's one big problem you can solve. And if someone else beats you, whether it is Malloy, whether it is Gabhart, whether it is a second striker, so be it. But we're not going to let Jake Keegan beat us. And I don't know how much of that is because before it was, we just were playing way too narrow. Yeah. Now with this three in the back, you would think there's more width. And with Carlos Gomez playing, you would think he would link up better with Keegan considering their history of playing together in the past. I, I don't know. It feels though. It still feels as though if any chances are going to come, it's going to be either Keegan doing it himself, Aaron Malloy creating it, or Derek Gebhard doing something on the right. And that's, there needs to be more from the left. Sarakowski had a fantastic finish against North Texas, you know, so maybe he's where the goals start coming from late in the season. If you, I was going to say Gustavo Fernandez is probably been the guy that when he was playing, he was able to put in the crosses from deep. It seems that they're missing that as well. It it just feels like everything is happening on the right-handed side. And part of that is Jiro being out. And Jiro was very influential on the left. But I don't know. So what 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 would you say? What would be the the one thing or one of the things that you would look for out of Ford Madison to uh you know make this transition from the bottom to feeling good about forward Madison again? What what do you need out of all of this? I would like a win. That'd be a good start. Um, <laughs> you know, we're we're looking for for uh, causes, not results. How's that sound? What, yeah, I, know, I would say I have a whole list. So if you just want, I mean, to ramble about I want them to have that killer instinct that seemingly is not there. I don't know what's going to take for that killer instinct to come back, but in 2019, Ford Madison can get a goal and they would hold on. And win one zero. We saw it at North Texas in the whole finale. We saw it at Lansing. We saw it multiple times. We saw it in Richmond. Like they would be able to get the goal they need and defend and hold out. And that's not happening. It feels as though ever since that tormenting game, because you think about it, that Tucson game, they come back, they get the equalizer. The North Carolina game, they get the goal late. Omaha, they get the goal, they hold on. Tormenta, they get down behind, but they come back, and that just has not been there. And well, I don't know if that killer – and I need the killer – and, like, when I say killer instinct, I mean you see out a 1-0, you get the late goal that you need to win, or you get the goal that you need to equalize. And just none of that – it just seems like it's not there. There is no killer instinct. There is no edge, I feel like. It feels as though – the confidence to either get the goal you need or hold out isn't there anymore. Well, what we're seeing is actually the exact opposite of, if you remember, uh, and I don't blame you if you don't, uh, one of the foundational jokes of this podcast was Dan Fallon on a, a, a Facebook thread in anger after we conceded late to uh, Lansing, basically saying, forward needs to stop conceding. And I, I gave him a hard time about that, but the, his his bigger point was we have to stop conceding late. And what happened is late in the season, we developed that toughness, that spine. You know, we started holding on. 
what we're seeing here is kind of the opposite this year, right? We started the season with that, you know, we were very impressed with the, the, the ability to dig back from down, you know, uh, we, we were joking about us being a second half team and that we were on the front foot, that we were pressing teams, uh, changing things. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's shifted and it doesn't feel like, you know, last year there was some understanding that, you know, home field wasn't going to be a, a fortress because we were playing on the Piet Mondrian, you know, field at Hart Park. There weren't as many fans. It's not the same atmosphere. But this year in, in Bree Stevens, you just don't get that feeling of that killer instinct, like you said, and that like, hey, this is our, this is our fortress, you know, uh, that we need to defend. And, and that's something that seems a little frustrating. I, I th- yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And it's more the matter in which they're conceding goals. It seems like they're allowing dangerous free kicks like in North Texas, or they're not closing out like in Toronto and for that equalizing goal, the North Carolina goal, no one steps up. It's a very good strike, very good strike, but no one steps up to, you know, even challenge it. And Bruno is not doing well enough on his near post. It's the matter of how you're conceding these goals that I think is the more frustrating aspect of it. It's like you seem to make some kind of mistake that leads to the other team taking full advantage of it. And that goes back again, that goes back to that killer instinct. You shouldn't like, you can't allow these chances to happen. Like the free kick, while it is a questionable call from the refereeing, you still should not have been in that position to put yourself in. Like you should not be conceding that type of goal. You should, I don't know. Well, well, and related to that killer instinct, I mean, we just sat back and absorbed pressure for 80 minutes. So one of the things that often happens is that when you're just sitting back, you, you end up making a mistake. You concede a dumb foul, you know, um, something like that happens. And that, that actually kind of segues into point three, which is if you've never been to a fish show the first time, you know, it's, it's, you know, three and a half, four hours. You don't know where one song begins, one song ends. I would say the drugs help. Um, you know, Fish has a reputation of being a good place for people to do drugs at, as I alluded to up uh, at the top. The greatest innovation in postal flavor technology since those stamps I got from that guy at the Fish concert. <laughs> That made me taste sound. You know, right now, there are just some things still going on that I haven't seen fixed that are frustrating to me. Um, You know, one one of the things is the midfield organization. And part of it as well that we saw in the goal from North Carolina is everybody in the midfield ended up in a flat line. You had five guys back. You had the three midfielders kind of flat and there wasn't, and it was actually Keegan kind of chasing back to step down and, and try to, you know, he was the one ultimately that was trying to defend that guy's shot and put the pressure on him. Well, the guy had a lot of space and, you know, the other thing that I watched uh, and uh, what your exact quote when, when you overheard the audio was, Oh God, I think maybe I, I'm not doing it justice. Kyle, but I was re-watching their North Carolina game. And one of the frustrating things is still we don't have an, a coherent and organized press in any way. And, you know, there are no 
you know, so you would see like Perez get way out of position chasing down a, right, a left-sided center back kind of all by himself, you know, there, and it was very easy for that guy to just outlet out to the left-hand side because Gebhardt had dropped in into the shape. So if we're going to play a lower pressure, a guy like Perez can't just chase off. And this is a, a frustration to me because, you know, we keep bringing new guys in and it, it seems like shouldn't the guys that are there have a better understanding of what we're trying to do than just kind of plugging th- new guys in every week. And I think that's kind of where a lot of the issue, because it's like we were talking about how a few weeks ago, how the midfield, it seemed like the Malloy, Suko, Jepson trio was doing a good job and, and it, they were able to be the ones to, you know, cause that press. And I don't think we've seen that trio start in the midfield since. Yeah. And I mean, when they were playing their best. Right. And then, you know, you've had Christian Enriquez fill in. You've had Chino Perez now fill in. It seems like you're do with now going three in the back. You can throw one more and that's where Carlos Gomez is. It feels like if you're going to go three in the back, you should not be. Your midfield should be at the point where it should not be getting like you can't. I don't know. Like if you're going three in the back, that's with the idea of you're going to have a midfield that's going to win the battles that you're going to have. the You're going to overrun them in the midfield. And that just hasn't happened. And again, that midfield trio that we saw, we haven't seen since. We've seen two of the three. We've seen, you know, a Malloy and Suko. We've seen a Malloy and Jepsen. But I, I don't know. I feel like that's one of the biggest issues is there's no cohesiveness in the midfield. If you're going to not be cohesive, the midfield's probably the worst spot it could be, maybe other than a center back partnership. Well, and then and, yeah, oh, sorry. And I was going to say the center back partnership, I, I get that one might be a little bit off just because with going to the three in the back, you had to kind of go three and, you know, you have turbo who's always there. Eric Leonard has started to settle in. Gustavo wasn't a team, isn't a team. I don't know what happened there. Maybe he picked up a knock. I don't know. Cyrus Rad seems to have stepped in, which has been helpful. At least. But it's, it's kind of that I understand why the center backs might not be as cohesive because you go with the brand new system. I don't understand how the midfield is not as cohesive as it should be like 18 games in. Well, and, and one of the things too, that you saw as, as the North Carolina game went on uh, Perez and, and Suka were basically out of the midfield and, and it moved all the way up to forward and it limits the options that, you know, uh, Malloy has, he basically has to ping, a ball either out to the wing or, but he doesn't have short passes. We're not getting that, that interchange that we saw early in the season and we're not maintaining that, that shape. And if you looked at, you know, the first half, the first five, 10 minutes forward, Madison looked pretty good. They had some passing in the midfield. They Should had have probably some, had a, the goal yeah. right from the header. Yep. They had a, a, you know, in that, in that North Carolina game, they had a cohesive shape, but as the game went on, Gomez, you know, you know, ends up, or, or pardon, Perez ends up all the way up. Suko ends up all the way up. They end up drifting out of the midfield, and we have one guy in the midfield, which causes, again, if you're not pressing as soon as you turn the ball over, then you're susceptible to that counter. And we're kind of lucky, I think, that NCFC didn't counter us better, though they had a couple of, of good opportunities um, out there. So if you're like, you know, and and I think, you know, 
if if we don't fix the midfield, I'm going to have to keep keep consuming 32 ounce beers. Yeah, I, I, it's more for me. It's more the at the beginning of the season, I had utmost faith that they would get a goal to either win or equalize the second half team. As we joked, I still have that. And that's not to say I don't have it anymore, but it's definitely looking more difficult to see where it's going to come from. The The Toronto game, I think was a good showing of that was more shades of the beginning of the season. There was, and we saw it in Tormenta, like, yes, they allowed a goal, but you could see they were going to get that second goal. Like that was always clear in both Toronto and Tormenta. North Texas, kind of not so much. It's like they got the goal as the first half went on. They still tried, but like as the second half, the second half was definitely a probably not. North Carolina, it looked as though you were going to get a goal sometime in the first half. It looked like it for the first 30 minutes. And then after that, it became less and less likely. So it's more the, I just, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. I just don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. And there's enough talent that I can see who it can come from, but I just don't know where it's going to come from besides Malloy or Gebhardt. Yeah. uh, Malloy on a a long distance shot or, you know, and Gebhardt had a good chance in the first half and it was nice to see. I think he looked up for it in that, that North Carolina game. And I'm, I'm glad he's getting, I mean, I think he's a really talented guy on the ball. And, you know, when he's playing on the, on the quote unquote front foot forwards, a much better team, um, you know, because we're getting him out there out in the space one-on-one where they're defenders on the Island and he wants to make things happen, which helps it. it, it it's just, yeah, it may be a question of belief, you know, and, and that's one of those, you know, dumb things that, you know, don't get accounted for by stats that don't get accounted for. And, you know, you can't quantify in any meaningful way, but you get into that rut and all of a sudden, you know, last year, you know, we ran all these plausible, well, if they do this and that happens and then this happens, we can get into the, you know, but as Dan, you know, pointed out last year, there's a reason there's a form table. There's a reason there's a table. There's, you know, and if if they don't get that belief back, I don't want to sit through another month of September where we're coming up with more and more convoluted scenarios for forward to get in, you know. And they 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 there's the crowd is there at at Bree Stevens that they should have that belief. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, you know, probably the best atmosphere in, in the league, if not lower division soccer and, and that we're conceding late at home is a double dagger. So, you know, if we're, if we're talking about things that like are driving me nuts, you know, that are driving me to drink that, that, that really at the end of the day, that the lack of a fortress at home, that they're not, you know, taking advantage of that is, is maddening to me, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, like it is one thing the, after that, 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 you know, North Texas match and apologize. Yeah. It's funny because if they would simply have won the Toronto and North Texas, or even the Fort Lauderdale, if they win two out of those three, then you're looking at six wins, two draws, two losses at home. They are absolutely abysmal on the road. They got one win. Yeah. They got one win. They have five draws. 
I mean, they only have two losses, which is shocking. Like the North Carolina was the only their second loss on the road. This team isn't losing. That's the thing that I think that's the most frustrating is it's not that they're losing. It's that these draws feel like losses. Yep. Like we said last time, they need to get minimum four points from those two home games. And they got two and they should have had six. Yep. It's, and, and you know, it's and, more, I guess for me, it was more if they like the home record while not great. You're doing what you need to at home, but you've got 10 matches left and the majority of them are going to be on the road. Two of them are against Richmond. One of them is in Toronto, which it has been apparent that teams are struggling in Toronto. Richmond lost there. Greenville drew there. Chattanooga just drew there because of the visa issues and the vaccinations. Like it is a struggle. Like Toronto's not going to be an easy place to get points. Richmond. I don't know. Like, I want I want to feel good about it, but I don't know. Like you have revs two twice. How many of those revs two games are going to be with MLS two players, like MLS players? Yeah. And then you're setting yourself up for you got to win. Like you have to find ways. You got to win these next few matches. You're not. You still have the reschedule against Omaha. You still have Chattanooga. Those are two tough matches. You still have. You have three matches against Richmond that are probably going to make or break. You have two matches. Like you have these teams where, thankfully. All the, the rest of the league is dropping points and dropping opportunities. So it gives you, you still have a chance. Based on the form, this team should not be near the playoff picture. No. And, but and, because everyone else is also struggling to some capacity or struggled badly at some point, you have a chance. And now you need, you need to turn these draws into wins. I still think they can do it, but they have to start, like they have to win in Richmond this Wednesday. There yeah. is no exception. You have to win in Richmond. You have to walk away with a draw in Toronto. You have to beat Greenville. You have to beat Richmond at home. You have to win those games. You have to just, these draws or things that we would have said, okay, this would have been fine as a draw a month ago. Now they need to be wins. Well, and as much as anything, you need to put the v- victory on the, the board against Richmond to one, show that you can do it. You know, you call it a statement of intent, you know, it, you can call it a six pointer. You, you can call it any of these things, but you need to start, you know, cause we're in 10th goddamn place at this point, you know, all things otherwise considered, you know, yeah, you can say, well, this team and, and you know, we, we, t- the other thing is, you know, we could have relied on the points per game table a couple of weeks ago. Not anymore. You know, not anymore. Now we're all basically in the same and we've let like Fort Lauderdale who are garbage, you know, who are playing goddamn Phil Neville's son for Christ's sake um, into, into the situation. And, and, and come on. And I don't want to spend, you know, we're going to, we're going to end up on the Slack chat again, coming up with, you know, if on Tuesday, you know, North Texas drops points and Richmond, you know, lights themselves on fire and, and, you know, North Carolina forfeits, then we can win, or, you know, I, I don't want to go through those scenarios. There are six playoff spots. We've got enough talent. Turn it around. Do There's six something. playoff spots. Two of them look like two of them look to be taken by Chattanooga and Omaha. You have four other spots. A win literally like one win gets you in third. Yeah. That's how ridiculously close the table is. A loss, like you can lose and go down to eleventh. You can win and go up to third. You gotta win. Yeah. Take it, take advantage. You win. You're in third place then on Wednesday night with 27 points. You've got a game in hand on Fort Lauderdale and, you know, 
Toronto, you know, Toronto FC, your level Richmond, your level with you've put Richmond behind you all of a sudden uh, you've got a game in hand on Richmond and are up two points on them winning on that's it. That's where we end. We just yeah. said because win, they also have to remember the first tiebreaker is number of wins, not goal difference, not head to head wins. You need to win. It is also the Henny Derby. You need to fucking win the Henny Derby. This is the other very important thing for you, Kyle, uh, for, for, you know, listeners who are unfamiliar, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've recounted this story 57 times. We did it earlier in this year in 30 seconds or less. Uh, what is the elevator pitch of the, the Henny Derby, 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 whatever you want to call it. Two black supporters decided to bet a bottle of Hennessy. There's a trophy. We had a big-ass cookout pregame back in 2019. It is a big deal. Both clubs have bought into it. I want. We lost the trophy last year. I want that fucking trophy back in my house this year. I think, you know, based on the decor, it fits in beautifully in your house. It should be. It really does. It looked great in my house. Yeah. Uh, it should, what does Emma think of the, the Henny Derby trophy sitting? Did you have it, like, on the mantle? Oh, I had it on our bar cart. Yeah, it was on our bar cart for okay. until Sterling was crawling and able to take stuff off the bar cart. And then when that happened, that's when I had to ship it back to Richmond. So I don't know where I'm going to put it now this year. I want it back so I can figure that out. That's a that's a high class problem. That's a problem you want to have. That's a the Henny Darby problem you want to have rather than having to listen to Elliot give you a hard time. Yeah, I, I don't need it. I, I want my fucking trophy back. Win, oh. Ford Madison. Win. There, That's there, where I'm ending. There you've heard it. Uh, I don't know if Fish has a song uh, related to either Hennessy or just Win, baby. But that's where we're going to end it. I uh, hope, hope you enjoyed us uh, ranting incoherently. Uh, until next time, I say forwards, not backwards. Upwards, not forwards. But always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. <laughs> Dance in the sun, all my massive cause they come slowly under. It's winter, I'm moving out.